The marbles up there don't lay flat very often. They roll around occasionally and bump into each other and give us a good thought. And we try to bring it to the people as God talks to us. So um, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Matthew the 7th chapter, we're going to pick up a thought there and go with the theme that uh, God's laid on our heart. And as you turn to Matthew the 7th chapter, we'll look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to come into your house. We read in your word where you sent a comforter. Our prayer is, Lord, that you'll comfort each of us in this service, this hour, that you'll move on the minds and hearts and the word and the spirit, that they'll melt together in harmony to be with church we should be for you. Just bless us, we pray, in every way this hour, and that, Father, with the ones that aren't here because of different circumstances or situations, Uh, be with them, bring them back at the next appointed time. Just bless us in advance, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the title I want to use this morning is Good Things Happen When We Obey. Good Things Happen When We Obey. And I'm going to read the scripture out of Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse 24 to 29. It's probably going to be very familiar with Uh, your memories in what we talk about a lot of times and it's even if you might think kind of childish because this would be something that would be taught in vacation Bible school or junior church or something like that but in verse 24 of Matthew 7 therefore whosoever hears these sayings of mine and that's Jesus speaking and doeth them I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. The rain descended and the the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Here we have a story, a teaching, I might even want to call it a parable Uh, And I've talked a a lot of parables from the Bible. I like teaching parables because they always have a point. For the most part, and you probably have heard me say it, almost every parable, the point of that parable is the very last line of that parable. This is one of the exceptions to that rule. There's not very many. This is one of them. Actually, I look at this as two different parables. One of the house built on the rock, one is the house built on the sand. So in these two, we find that these particular uh, points that Jesus is trying to teach here, in this story, uh, he breaks this down into two parts, and the point he wants us to get to his listeners um, come in the first line of each of these parables. First point is in verse 24. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them. 
The second point is in verse 26. Everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not. The only difference is the not that he tied on the end of that line that he was teaching. Amen? Sometimes we have to tie a knot to make sure we get everything locked down where it should be. The only difference between point one and point number two is the word not. It's such a simple story, but to add one word to the scenario, not, puts the results of the two stories into two totally different categories. Amen? It's the same way when I think back as I was doing this particular, preparing this, it's in my mind just kept going back to Genesis, the third chapter. God said, don't touch a tree. Don't, eat, don't, don't even go there. Just stay, plumb away from it. Because if you do, you'll surely die. Well, they wandered that direction. It had a, evidently an eye appeal about that tree. It was really pretty, I assume, but um, it was one right in the middle of the garden. I guess they wanted to venture the entire garden. They have to at least go past the one in the midst of the garden, right? So as they ventured a little bit closer and closer, the servant said unto them, why don't you try this one? Well, that's the dude version of it. And they said, no, God said don't. So we're not going to. Oh, he said, don't listen to that God guy. You're not going to surely die. Well, God said we'll surely die. No, you're not surely going to die. All he changed is one word, not. And he got them to fall to what he asked them or where he wanted to take them by adding that one word. This parable, in reality, has nothing to do with building a house literally. All of you know, you've drove past enough construction sites and know for a fact that before they even attempt to build a house or a building or anything, they bring in the big excavators and the bulldozers and the backhoes and they tear the ground up and dig down in a hole and pour footers and pour foundation or pour basement walls or whatever they're going to do. It starts with cement that they put in that they have to let it harden and set up and then they take the forms away from it, backfill the dirt to pack it in so the walls never move. No matter what comes, they want those walls to be solid because they're going to build something on top of it. They want it to be able to endure for years to come. No matter what the storms of life bring, uh, winds or whatever comes or goes, hot, cold, Snow, rain, doesn't matter. The building you build, you want it to stand. That's not what Jesus is teaching. Although, he uses that very simple thought to capture the minds of the people so they understand physically what goes on when you do build a building versus um, how your life is going to turn out based on how you do what he asks us to do. Amen? Everything has to do with hearing the words of Jesus and then doing them or putting them in action in your life is what Jesus was teaching here. Amen? Everybody knows that as they read this because just like our title says, 
Good things happen when we obey. Amen? Now, we all know that uh, anything built on a rock is going to be more firm than anything built on the sand. I was always tickled when, and it's gone back, because I've been pastor here for 27 years. You guys know that, right? Either assistant pastor or pastor. That's a long time. You're going to cover a lot of scriptures in 27 years. I can always remember Ann Opal telling me about the church in Moorhead. Her family donated some land, and I don't know all the particulars or whatever. They got ready to build a church, and they, you know, wanted to bring in uh, all this construction. And they, No, they just showed up with shovels. Now, I've got to remember, this is in Moorhead, Kentucky. Right? And they didn't have to dig too far till they hit solid rock. And they built the church on it. And as far as I know, it's still standing today. It was built on the solid rock. Well, that's literally speaking. But now Jesus is teaching us from that literal mindset of building a house or building even a church. You got to start with a firm foundation. And we know the scriptures teach us Jesus is our foundation. He is our rock. Amen? Uh, sing that song just like we did in Sunday school Jesus is the rock of my salvation his banner over me is hey there you go amen so we learn those things as we get through the scriptures it's not good enough just to hear the sayings of God according to what Jesus is teaching in this teaching we have to do some obeying. We have to follow the teachings that we're doing. This is how we become the character builders and build into our lives the attributes or the characteristics of a Christian in our lives. Amen? Because when God's Holy Spirit and you yield your life to Him, He takes and cleans your heart washes away your sin and gives you a new slate and then he writes on there the laws, the commandments, the things that he said he would do way back in Deuteronomy, he'll do that to your heart still today. He'll write the laws and everything he wants you to obey on your heart. And of course you're going to have to stand on those laws to be the child of God God wants you to be. Amen? Now, we don't have the option of picking and choosing what we want to incorporate into our spirit as a child of God. When we become a child of God and uh, God puts his spirit in us, we have to do the things that he's told us by his two witnesses. What are they? His word and his spirit. As they guide our lives, we need to make sure we take care of all the things we're supposed to do there. So they still remain in our lives as we travel through life. And as we build this house uh, that we need to build. It says when we choose to build our house, that's a term used in scripture, or our temple. Did you know you're the temple of God? Amen. Because God lives in you. So your house, your temple, or your life are all synonymous spiritual terms in Scripture. And these things are the things that the, uh, you need to make sure you keep away from the things of this world and allow them to influence you in that building of that house for God. As the building or house that we're building, 
We want to start with a good foundation, one that's solid, not one that's of sand. In this parable that Jesus teaches, it doesn't give us the blueprint for that house. It doesn't give us, and he meant the contractor's name that's going to build it. It doesn't give us any, because it's not about that house. Because each of us are going to build our own house, and we're going to do it according to the way the Spirit of God and the Word of God teach us. You know why? Because the storms are coming. They're going to be here. Yep, the floodwaters are going to rise. Oh, I guess we've learned that this last couple of weeks, haven't we? We've seen a lot of issues come and go in the storms of life. Um, you never know when a tornado or a hurricane or any other storm is going to pop up. Um, it was amazing to me that in Kentucky this last year, they had a flood down there that the floodwaters was higher than the roof of their school building. Mm. Talking about Moorhead, it was about an hour south of there. Amen? So those kind of storms do happen. Nobody that built a house there thought they'd have to worry about ever getting a flood. But they got, if I ain't mistaken, 14 inches of rain in less than two hours. Now that's a pretty good cloud. That'll put it down in a hurry. Amen? And it's all got to go somewhere because water seeks its lowest level. And in that case, it was deep. Amen? So if your house is not built on that solid foundation of Jesus Christ, the rock, it's going to crumble. It's going to fall like a house of cards. When winds blow on it, when things happen, when things are going wrong, you'll fold your tent and let the devil swoop you away into the world around us to be what the, the devil desires to make out of your life. Notice the words on each side of this particular scenario that Jesus gives. He says, you got to heareth and doeth. And heareth and doeth not. The ETH on the end of each of those words means that it's written in what we call the present continuous tense. Verb tense. And that means keep on. You got to keep on hearing. You got to keep on doing. When you become a Christian, there's no rest stops. There's no time to say, well, I'm a little tired. I'm just going to lay down here and let everything pass me by. No. You have to be on guard for God all the time. Amen? It's a continuously hearing and doing for God. Now, let's let me stop in this particular. I'll probably come back to it later. Um, but I want to turn over to Galatians, the sixth chapter, and pick up a thought there along the same line as Apostle Paul was teaching um, the church at Galatia about some of these same uh, scenarios. Let me read with you verse, I'm in chapter 6, Galatians 6, verse 7 to 10. It says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. That is the same as whatever you build you want to build it to stand, just like Jesus taught it. And for, in verse 8, for or because, the word for means because. Do you know that? That's one of our study words. We have to know that. Because uh, he that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap 
life everlasting. Now you know that, right? All of you got a garden, right? And whatever you plant in your garden, you hope that's what grows. For the most part, you're going to get a whole lot of other things growing you didn't plant if you don't take care of your garden. Amen? We call them weeds. And what do they do? They want to zap into the plants you did plant and take the nutrition from them, block the sunlight, do everything they can to keep what you planted from producing what you want it to produce. So here the word of God again is being true to us in the same kind of scenario that Jesus was teaching. Verse 9 is what kind of caught my attention when I was studying this. A lot of these scriptures I know by heart, but and when I'm studying they just jump off the page at me. Verse 9 says, and let us not be weary in well-doing. Don't wear yourself out doing good. Amen? For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So if you sow the right things, at due season you're going to reap the right things. Amen? You know when due season is? That's when God says so. Yeah. Throughout the Bible, it uses the term due season. And it means God's timing. Now, God doesn't have a calendar. I just wanted to let you know that. He doesn't have a wristwatch. He doesn't have a grandfather clock in the corner of heaven. God does his thing in due season. When he knows it's the right time, that's when he does it. So don't be weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them that are of the household of faith. So the word of God again reminds us, we will reap what we sow. And let me remind us, we don't sow once and then we're done. Yeah, I put out tomatoes last year. Guess what? They didn't come up this year. I had to sow another pat. Uh, another bunch of tomatoes this year because the ones last year they were done and gone yeah why is that you got to just continue to sow and put out pepper this year amen I just went to farm and flea or tractor supply they call it now I just walked in they had a pepper plant sitting there on sale for a dollar how much do you pay for a green pepper at Kroger probably a dollar and I thought well if this plant produces one pepper I got my money back well we got a freezer full of peppers and I gave five of them to Dennis yesterday yeah uh, they were small but I pulled the plant up and I just snapped the little small ones that were still on there hey you reap what you sow amen you got to get out of it what you put into it amen so if there's no sowing it's not going to be any reaping. Amen. This is a constant season of life. If we expect to get anything from God, we have to sow into the things of God to reap the things of God. Now, as we read that scripture, and in verse 8, we see Paul making the same two points in this teaching that Jesus gave us in Matthew's gospel. One, you'll either sow to the flesh... Or two, you'll sow to the Spirit. Same two. You can call it build a house on a rock or build a house on the sand, but you're going to reap what you sow, whether it's to the flesh or whether to the Spirit. That's the result of knowing that 
that what's taking place in verse number seven. See, you can't just say, well, God don't know what he's talking about because verse seven says God's not going to be mocked. Amen. You're not going to pull a fast one on God. Amen. Now, the serpent thought he could do that in Genesis, the third chapter, and actually he got Adam and Eve to bite into his, his theory, but uh, God's not mocked. That didn't change what God told Adam and Eve. And the same is true for you and I. The results of knowing that verse number seven, God's not going to be mocked, or another way of saying it is, you just can't have it both ways. So many people I run into think they can have it so both ways. Amen? They think, well, I want to be a Christian, and God's shown them, well, you need to give up your alcohol. No, nope. they keep their alcohol and still say, I'm a Christian. And they want to be a Christian, and they want to talk with the words that probably aren't conducive to Christian spirit. Okay? And they keep wanting to say, well, I'm a Christian. They, they think God can be mocked. And that he can have it both ways. No, you can't. You can't have it both ways. You're going to have to stand true for God or take down your flag. Amen? Because God's not going to allow you to have it both ways. Paul sums up his teaching in this scenario in verse 9. He said, let us not be weary in well-doing. Amen? For in due season, again, that means in God's season or God's timing, we will reap if we faint not. That tells me there's no time for any of us to give up. There's always going to be a sowing time in our lives. Now, why do we need to constantly sow? So God will allow us to constantly reap. Amen? You just can't sit back and say, well, I'll let somebody else do it and I'll reap their benefits. Well, that's not the same. And God won't bless your benefits off of their sowing, except in one time, and that's in winning souls. The Word of God says we need to sow in our good times and bad times, sow the Word of God, and then God will reap the harvest. Says Paul said, some sowed, some watered, but God gives the increase. Amen? So once again, good things happen when we obey. And in verse number 10, Paul's conclusion is to do good unto all men at all times. Amen? It should be on your heart to help everybody to be more what they need to be for God. I remember when we taught kids camp about being a hero. And I stood up and told all of them, only thing you got to do to be a hero is to do the right thing at the right time at the right place. Well, since you don't know where the right time and the right place is, just always do the right thing. Then if you're doing the right thing and God puts you in the right place at the right time, presto. You're a hero. Amen. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, everybody wants to be a hero, but you got to do the right thing all the time to fit that category. Amen? It's going to be the time when God can use you, and you need to be right at that time, and then you can fly your flag up as the hero God wants you to be. As I consider both Jesus and Paul's teaching, it's apparent to us 
that we have no control of the winds and the storms of life. All we can do is continue in the teaching of the two witnesses and we will withstand the storms of life. Amen. Now we probably had some storms this year. Didn't pay any attention to a lot of them. And uh, we had one where uh, it showed up in the leak in our roof and down into our guest bathroom ceiling fan. And Bonnie had to run and get some buckets like we lived in eastern Kentucky and put them under the fan to catch the water as it ran through. But you know what? I still got tomatoes and peppers. They were still outside just doing their thing. It just poured down like nobody's business. And then we got somebody to fix our roof, and we're still okay. Amen? Because we're going to reap the things of life if we built the right way. Now, to read more teaching along this same thought, Paul sums it up again in 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter. In my Bible, that's just a few pages over. It's actually the end of 2 Thessalonians. There's only three chapters in it. And in verse number 13, Paul says, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Why should you not get tired of doing good? Amen. It should be refreshing to you to be able to do good for other people or even for family or even people you don't know, even neighbors. I enjoy doing that myself. He says, listen, verse number 14. And if any man obey not the word of this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Amen? So we need to not be weary in well-doing, even if they don't realize we're not doing it for ourselves. We're doing it for the Lord. Amen? Don't give up. Don't quit doing good. No matter the circumstances of life, build your house or your life on the rock, Jesus Christ. And His teaching and his examples. You know, sometimes I don't understand some of the things that go on. But I think about, huh, what would Jesus do? And it guides me down the steps in the life that he left behind for us. Amen? You need to do that. Now back in Matthew, the seventh chapter, the last two verses of that after he taught on the, the two different houses, he concluded it with this, in, uh, or the Holy Spirit concluded with this summation of what happened. It says, and it came to pass. Oh, that's more due time, isn't it? Yep. When Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. That word doctrine means his teaching. It blew them away that he told them, don't build a house on the sand because the storm's going to blow it away and you won't have nothing left. Huh, how about that? Pretty good teaching. Pretty good. I like that. Or he said you can build it on a rock and when the storm comes, it'll still be standing. Huh, amazing that they like that story. And then it goes on to say in verse 29, for, what's the word verb for mean? Because he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. 
The scribes were the teachers in the temple. They were the ones that were supposed to be up to date on everything the Bible has to say. And yet they taught it from a wrong perspective. They taught it from their viewpoint, not God's viewpoint. Jesus taught it as an eternal value to you in your soul. That's what you needed to know. So even in the first century, the audience got this teaching of Jesus correctly. They weren't worried about building houses on the sand. or They knew they had to build their house on Christ's teaching. His doctrine, they called it. Amen. If we follow the most simple teachings of Jesus, we too will be astonished at what it does for our lives. God's word is not a hard taskmaster. We make it difficult when we try to do it our way and expect God's results. No. Can't do it your way and expect God to anoint it. Good things happen when we obey. Amen. This life-building teaching is a constant theme throughout the Word of God. Amen? And even today, we have to admit, there's only two points to living a life in this world. It's either God's way or the other way. Amen? That's all there is to it. You either do it God's way or you can do it any other way you want because they're all rolled down the hill into the same uh, uh, eternity's end. Amen. That only stands to reason because when it's all said and done, we'll either end up in one of two places. Either with God or not with God. Amen. So it's up to you to choose your destiny as you're building the house you want to build. Joshua, way back in the Old Testament, you know who Joshua was? He was one of the two that Moses sent into the promised land, the land that flowed with milk and honey. So go over and see what kind of land that is, see if we can take it. You know how far they were from that land when he sent them? It was just across the street. So he sent 12 spies over there. They were gone for a while. And they came back, 10 of them said, oh, you better not go over there. Those guys over there, they'll squash us like nobody's business. We look like grasshoppers beside those guys. Joshua and Caleb came back. Man, they found grapes over there growing in clusters that it was so big they had to get a stave or a pole, hook the cluster on the pole and carry it on two men's shoulder. It took two men to carry back one cluster of grapes. Man, it's a land that is great. God has given us the best he could give us. Let's take it. And the rest of them said, I don't know. I, I think it'd be too hard. Well, if God tells you to take it, it's not too hard because he'll take it for you if he has to. Well, Joshua, he learned by walking with God and doing the things that God wanted him to do as he built his life on the things of God. And in Joshua 24, 15, he said, As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. How many of you have that on a plaque in your house at home? Sure, several of us do. Amen. And he said, uh, uh, I know what I'm going to do. You can take your choice and go where you want, but for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Then James joins in this class of teachers when he gets to James, the second chapter, and teaches on some of these very same thoughts. I want to read it to you. It's pretty cool. Actually, 
It's one of my favorite scriptures in James. Um, I'm sorry, it's James 1, not James 2, Mike. I don't know what I gave you, but I wrote down 2 here, but that's not it. But it's in verse 19. I'm in James 1, 19. Did I give you 2? Yeah, it's 1, 19. I even wrote down 2, and I know better than that. I'm smarter than that, ain't I, Debbie? We need to Google that. All right. But James 1, 19, it says, wherefore, now basically wherefore means based on what I just said, here's the, what I'm telling you now. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, based on that, Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness. You ever use those, that term a lot? That's superfluity of naughtiness. We don't, we don't lay that aside, you know. You know what it says, even though uh, you don't understand up in those terms. And receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Here's my favorite verse. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves you see a lot of people say well I know what the word says but I don't have to do that who do you think is getting deceived when they do that the Bible says you're just deceiving yourself you're not hurting God's feelings you're not even hurting the church you're hurting yourself when you hear the word of God and say ah that don't matter that's just dude hey man he's that funny guy isn't he Dude, that's a cool name or something, whatever. No, it's God's word. We got to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Don't get mad so fast. Don't jump all down somebody's throat because they said something you didn't really care for. Amen? I think it's though um, we have uh, two ears and one mouth because we're supposed to speak about half as much as we hear. Amen? Remember... There's always more than one side to any issue. Amen? The one side I'm interested in is God's side. Because everybody else can argue over what's right and what's wrong. I want to be on God's team on any issues that come along in my life. Amen? So whenever there's everybody talking and hearing all the things from this, that, or the other, and they all get involved, I still want to know God's opinion on that subject. Amen. I need to hear them all out. I want to know what they think or what they say. And then I'm going to choose the one that keeps my foundation of my house on the solid rock. Amen. Amen. Verse 20 says, God and man don't always coincide in the same thought. John said in John uh, 4 and 1, try the spirit, whether they be of God. Because many false spirits have gone out into the world. This may sound smooth. They may be able to talk a good talk. But if they're talking out the side of their mouth that God's not talking out of, I don't want to hear what they've got to say. We're coming up on election time. Boy, they all are patting each other on the back. Who's the greatest and who's the best and who needs to be in charge? Probably if we'd clean the whole place out, it wouldn't make any difference. Amen. But God doesn't always agree with us when we talk in those kind of terms. Amen? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Once you come to the conclusion 
that uh, of which voice you want to follow, go back to James 1.22 again, and be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. When John got the revelation on the Isle of Patmos in John the second and third chapter, there was seven churches that got letters from the Holy Spirit in the vision that John was given. And all seven of those churches, the last line that he spoke in those two chapters to all seven churches was, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith. E-T-H. The Spirit continually is saying. He's always speaking to us. We need to be attentive to what the Spirit of God is teaching, whether it's through His Word, whether it's through His Spirit. The two witnesses were left here to guide us in every avenue of our lives and make sure we're building on the rock that we need to build on. You'll never regret listening to the, good, the two witnesses because good things happen when we obey. And remember, Jesus never said it'd be easy, just worth it.